kids are creepy. All right. I'm just going to say it like everyone posts pictures of their babies on Facebook and like they're not as cute as you say they are, first of all, but also they're kind of creepy. Like they're just weird with their little faces that they make. And, you know, like women will be like, oh, but they're cute. Nah, they're creepy. They're just creepy. They're just blobs of nothing that like just useless. They're useless. They're just social media fodder for like the first 18 months. And then they start to become useful. All right. Like cows and giraffes just fall out of there. Already know how to walk like are functioning. They're great. Babies. Terrible. All right. So that's my <laughs> that's my stance on kids. For some reason, I felt like I had to share um, this week. We're talking about some kids. All right. They're not babies. They're a little more, uh, uh, you know, older kids, but uh they're still weird. And uh, these uh, three stories here are especially weird. And we're going to get into it this week on Our Weird World. Our Weird World. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson. And uh, thank you for still listening uh, after I insulted you if you have a kid. Uh, I'm sure your kid's fine. I'm just a little creeped out by it. I'm not going to lie. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. Kids are creepy. I, you know, I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're great. Don't have a terrible thing to say about them specifically. Just talk, just broadly speaking. All right. My wife wants kids. Me, eh, take it or leave it. All right. <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. All right. If I have a kid, I will love my kid. I'll be a great parent to my kid does not mean I can't think my own kid is creepy because I probably will. And that's fine. I'll tell people I got a creepy kid and it'll be fun because I like making people uncomfortable for starters. And that's just a good, easy way to do it. All right. This week we're talking about some creepy, uh, mysterious kids. All right. Uh, three stories here. Uh, we have the green children of Woolpit, uh, the story of Casper Hauser and the boy in the box. So let's jump into it. We're starting all the way back in the year 1140 in the village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England, where uh, two children were discovered uh, beside a pit that was designed to trap wolves uh, in the area. So uh, basically, they didn't have, I guess, wolf traps. They just dug giant holes and hoped that the wolves would fall in. And, you know, look, I get it. All right. That's this is almost a thousand years of knowledge that we're losing going back to this story makes sense. All right. But these kids, this is what was weird. These kids that were discovered, their skin was completely green, like, like little Martians, little aliens, but they were people. Uh, and they were speaking this unintelligible language. Their clothes looked nothing like what people would wear in 1140 Suffolk, England. Uh, and so, uh, 
whoever discovered these kids, they took them to the home of Richard DeCalm, where they refused to eat any kind of food that was placed in front of them for several days. And it's England. I get it. All right. Their food, not great. Beans on toast. Gross. That's weird. I wouldn't eat it either. Um, however, speaking of beans, uh, they were finally presented broad beans, which they kind of look like peas or snap peas or edamame, that, that sort of thing. And they happily scarfed those down. And over time, though, these children began eating other types of food, and then they eventually lost the greenish tint to their skin. Uh, and then, of course, they were baptized, which was of the utmost importance. But then shortly after that, the, the boy, it was a boy and a girl, uh, the boy became sick and died. The girl, however, eventually learned to speak English and told uh, the people in the village of Woolpit that she, uh, she and the boy, because they were still like trying to figure out what was going on here, she and the boy had come from a land uh, named St. Martin's Land, where everything was green and the sun never shined. All right, so here's here's what's pretty nuts about this. All right, you have this kid, and she's discovered, and then she eventually grows up enough to learn English. You're probably not learning English immediately. Probably takes a few years. Eventually, you know, learns to eat a bunch of different foods, learns to communicate, and then tells people like, Oi, I'm from St. Martin's Land. It's like, a, I, my wife pointed out that my British accent is just my Australian accent, which it's the same people. So whatever, I don't care. Um, but the last thing that this girl, uh, remember, like she couldn't explain how she and this boy had arrived in Woolpit. The only other thing that she remembered was that she was herding her father's cattle in St. Martin's land, magical St. Martin's land. And she followed these cattle into a cave and then she heard a loud noise. And then she just woke up next to this pit where they were discovered in Woolpit. And, um, uh, the girl ended up living a normal life, but no one has been able to come up with like a solid idea of where she came from or what St. Martin's Land was. Uh, a historian named Paul Harris, uh, he put out a theory that uh, said that the children came actually from a nearby village called Fornham St. Martin, which was... Uh, about 10 miles west of Woolpit and at the time was just full of civil unrest uh, between Flemish settlers and, you know, whoever was living there originally. Um, and so he thinks the children just fled the city and found their way over to Woolpit, who would have known nothing about uh, Flemish culture because uh, these children, not Flemish, Woolpit, apparently very Flemish. What is a Flemish? What is a phlegm? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I could have done extra research to kind of contextualize this. Didn't do it. Didn't care. Um, the children, however, they may have fled the city. Wouldn't have known anything about Flemish culture. Wouldn't have known the language. And were also likely suffering from a condition known as chlorosis, which is basically an iron uh, deficiency, which turns the skin green. Uh and but most people have been like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, because I mean, what's the other alternative that they're aliens from the future that they're Martians or something? Probably not. They're not, they're not time travelers. People want to believe that these kids were time travelers. They're not. All right. They're just some weird kids who showed up, didn't speak English and they were green. And that's why they made it into history. So, uh, second story here 
uh, is the story of Casper Hauser, who on May 26th, 1828, uh, just a teenage boy showed up on the streets of Nuremberg, Germany, and he was he was really confused. Uh, he was carrying a letter addressed to Captain von Weissenig, captain of the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment. And the letter said that the boy was given to this anonymous author's custody on October 7th, 1812, and the boy had been taught to read and write. However, he was never let out of the house. All right, so this is already strange. So this kid, this teenager shows up, and he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know how he got there. He's carrying this letter. Basically was like, yeah, I had this kid. Someone gave this kid to me. Taught him how to read and write, but I basically just trapped him in the basement for his entire life. He's never been outside around other people, so he's probably going to be a little weird. Um, but the boy wanted to be a cavalry man, and so the letter instructed Captain Von Weissnig to either take him in or just kill him, which is reasonable, I guess. I guess. Um, a local shoemaker found the boy, read the letter, you know, got all that information, and took him to the police. Um, when police tried to like ask the boy, like, what is your name? What did all he said was, I want to be a cavalry man. Ask my fossil was. That's all he said. Every, that's the only thing he would say. That's got to be annoying. Right. Just like, what is your name? I want to be a cavalry man. Ask my fossil was. Great. Where'd you come from? I want to be a cavalry man. Ask my fossil was. We got that. All right. Where are you going? I want to be a cavalry man. <laughs> I don't know why that's fun for me. Uh, When people tried to get the boy to say more, he would either just start crying or just say he didn't know. Um, Police asked him to write his name down. And so he ended up writing Casper Hauser. And because he couldn't provide much more information than that, he was imprisoned as a vagabond. I guess that's just how they treated homeless people back then. And for the next two months, Casper lived in the Lugensland Tower in the Nuremberg Castle. Uh, Many curious people like word got around that this kid had showed up and people were obviously naturally curious. So they came to visit him. But Casper refused everything that visitors brought him uh, except bread and water. And then eventually uh, Casper told a man named uh, Meyer Bender that all he could remember about his life was that he was completely alone in a dark cell with only straw to sleep on and a couple of carved wooden toys to play with. All right. So now if you remember back to the Joseph Fritzl episode. A lot of similarities here, all right? Joseph Fritzl took his daughter, enslaved her, kept her in a small, dark, musty basement for like 20 years. Not a lot to do. She had to raise her own kids, so her kids grew up in this crazy, very limited, very sensory depletive, probably not, sensory depleted environment. This is is kind of what Casper Hauser is, is going through. Um... He would awake each morning in his little cell to rye bread and a cup of water. Sometimes the water tasted bitter and it caused him to sleep longer than normal, which is a really weird detail that he put in there. Did his butthole hurt when he woke up? I don't know. These are the questions. These are just the questions. I'm asking the questions that we all have. All right. You knew it was going there. I just said it and that's okay. All right. Someone's got to do it. Um, Casper said that the only other person who would visit him in his little room was an older man, uh oh, who made sure not to reveal his face, uh oh. <laughs> uh, but that man taught him to read, write, and walk before letting him go to Nuremberg. Like, 
what if Joseph Fritzl traveled back in time? Like, what if it, what if Joseph Fritzl was a just a time traveler, and he would go back in time? Maybe this is how he got the idea to kidnap his own daughter because he traveled back in time to the 1800s and did it to this kid and then he was like oh yeah that's what work very well much like my hero Adolf Hitler this would work very nicely with my own daughter and then he comes back to the future and he does it that's probably not true at all but I like this I don't I like is a strong word I notice the similarities and it's just fun for me all right. Uh, the man was the one who had taught him to say, I want to be a cavalry man just as my father was. But Casper actually said he wasn't really sure what any of those words actually meant. Strange. Um, the president of the Bavarian Court of Appeals, Paul Johann Anselm Ritter von Feierbach, opened an investigation. I don't care about that detail other than that guy's name. I don't, I just don't understand. Uh, it like, it was the same issue with, um, Anton DeWart from the, uh, war heroes episode a few months ago. His wife had like eight names, maybe even a dozen. Why? Like let's, I like three, right? The English speaking world has done some shady things for humanity. Capping it at three names, I think is a solid move. Anything more than that. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you don't need that many. You don't. All right. So you're just going to walk around calling yourself Paul Johann Anselm Ritter von Feuerbach? No. It's too much. All right. Paul von Feuerbach. That's it. That's all you got to do. PVF. Let's trademark it. All right. Anyway, uh, PVF, he opened an investigation and the city of Nuremberg eventually adopted Casper and requested donations from, you know, the townspeople for his care. Uh, a few months later, Casper was given to the care of Friedrich Dahmer, who uh, was a teacher who also just decided to conduct various experiments on him just for fun. Because, look, adopted kids aren't real, right? You don't have that same connection with them, probably. I don't know. <laughs> so, of course, you're going to do experiments on them because what? What? What's worse? What's a worse label? You murdering your own kid? Or are you just murdering a kid? <laughs> they're both bad. I get that they're both bad. One's probably worse than the other. I'm guessing. That's probably the logic. Huh. I'm not making myself look very good in this episode. These are jokes, all right? I'm joking. That's how I fix that. Um, after Casper failed to return home for lunch, I also don't know what these experiments were. That was just kind of all the detail they gave. Um... <laughs> After Casper failed to return home for lunch on October 17th, 1829, uh, the entire city panicked and like just a giant search and rescue party uh, formed to go find him. But uh, his caretakers actually eventually found him in Dalmer's basement bleeding from a cut on his head. And Casper told them that a masked man had attacked him while he was using the bathroom. That's another real unfortunate detail. What's going on there? Um he re- he did say though that he recognized uh the voice of his attacker as the same man who had sent him to Nuremberg in the first place. So that's crazy. What's going on there? Um news of Casper's attack ignited rumors which had already been circulating for some time now that uh Casper was actually of royal descent either from uh 
the kingdom of Baden, which I don't know where that is, uh, or Hungary or England. And so in 1831, a British nobleman named Philip Henry Stanhope, three names. That's easy, right? Anyway, uh, PHS here, uh, he took custody of Casper and spent a lot of his resources trying to figure out where this kid had come from. Uh, the two visited Hungary twice in hopes that something would jog his memory, but Casper didn't recognize anything there. Uh, and then later that year, uh, Stanhope then transferred Casper to a schoolmaster in Ansbach. In 1832, the next year, Casper started working various jobs because he's kind of an adult at this point. But he was just he just alienated everyone who took care of him because he was just really difficult to deal with. And by 1833, uh, people began to suspect that Casper had been faking all of this the entire time. And on December 14th, Casper uh, was eventually lured into the Ansbach Court Garden where a man stabbed him in the process of giving him a bag, like as part of this ruse. And uh, police eventually got to the scene. They examined the bag, which found a letter that said, uh, quote, Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the effort, I want to tell you myself from where I come. I come from the Bavarian border on the river. I will even tell you the name M-L-O. Casper, uh, unfortunately, he died from his stab wound three days later. And his headstone in the Ansbach City Cemetery reads, Here lies Casper Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown. His death mysterious, 1833. And immediately, people just kind of assumed that Casper just stabbed himself for attention, especially since the letter contained a spelling and grammatical error that Casper routinely made. And I get and and the 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 logical explanation for that is, well, of course, he's going to make a common grammatical error if he was murdered by the mysterious person that taught him how to read and write to begin with. Ooh, interesting, right? I don't know. Uh, another note was that uh, the, the letter had been folded into a triangular pattern, which was exactly how Casper typically folded paper because that was how his mysterious original caretaker would have taught him to do it. Question mark. I don't know. It's all weird. Uh, despite several studies by various psychiatrists and medical professionals uh, about Casper's story, no one can really fully agree on what really happened with Casper Hauser. Um, most psychiatrists, however, have come to the conclusion that Casper has faked the whole thing. Uh, and medical professionals actually point to abnormalities in his brain and his fatal stab wound, which kind of casts doubt on both sides of, you know, was he murdered or did he fake it? Who knows? Um in 1996, like people still care so much about this, uh, DNA tests confirmed that Casper was not of any royal descent, so that theory got thrown out. Uh, and today, no one knows if Casper was telling the truth, if he was just an extremely intelligent con artist, but uh, basically just a, a teenager showed up. And like, is a teenager capable of fooling that many people for that long? Maybe. Like, if you're smart enough, you could probably do it. But. It's also just fun to think that like Joseph Fritzl went back in time and like then went back in time again and murdered this kid. I don't know. Crazy. It's a weird story. Um, the last story here is of the boy in the box. This is much sadder. Um, but one day a man uh, checking his muskrat traps found a boy's body wrapped in a plaid blanket and stuffed in a J.C. Penney bassinet box in the woods near Philadelphia uh, around 1957. 
Uh, there were clumps of hair around the body and surgical scars on his ankle, groin, and chin. Uh, and fearing that police would confiscate his traps and possibly even connect him to the boy, the man left the box alone. But a few days later, on February 25th, uh, a college student found the body and reported it to the police. Uh, police quickly took fingerprints and they felt pretty confident that the case was going to get closed pretty quickly. They felt like, okay, well, we've got this kid's identity. We're going to find out you know, who his parents were at least or something. But there were no matching records and no one came forward with any amount of information on who this kid was. Uh, and news quickly spread about the mysterious boy. Fires were placed all over the city. Police academy recruits went on searches throughout the woods. Uh, and they found several clues, but none of them really provided any more evidence than they already had. And no one ever figured out who this kid was, but several theories obviously started getting tossed around. Um, the most logical theory uh, belonged to a guy named Remington Bristow, who was an employee at the medical examiner's office, who contacted a psychic and was led to a nearby foster home because psychics, they know things. Uh, during the home's estate sale, Bristow found a bassinet similar to the one that would uh, have been placed inside the box where the boy was found. He also found blankets similar to the one that the boy had been wrapped in. Uh, Bristow then, with that information, concluded that the boy had belonged to the stepdaughter of the man who owned the foster home where the estate sale was taking place and that the death had been accidental. And the man then didn't want uh, the entire world to know that his stepdaughter was an unwed mother, so he just hid the body, which Philly makes perfect sense. This feels like a classic Philly move here. Um, police, however, they disagreed with this theory entirely and closed their investigation. Um, in 2002, and that was, it went pretty cold for a while after that. In 2002, a woman named Martha with a history of mental illness, so you know, take this with a grain of salt, uh, she confessed to police that she had known the boy. Uh, she said that her abusive mother had purchased the boy, maybe, uh, and subjected him to extreme physical and sexual abuse. Uh, one night, after throwing up a plate full of baked beans, which I get it, uh, the boy was severely beaten and later died. Uh, police were intrigued by this story because the autopsy had revealed baked beans in the boy's stomach, which was a detail that only they would have known because the autopsy results had never been made public. All right. However, uh, because neighbors denied, you know, Martha's neighbors denied knowing of any boy living with her at the time, that case was eventually closed. Uh, the body was exhumed in 1998 to extract DNA, but no one has still been able to make a connection. Uh, and this uh, boy is actually still currently buried in Ivy Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia with a large headstone that reads America's Unknown Child. And that is the end of today's story. So if you're the type of person who likes closure and finality, this was not your episode. And I apologize for not including that trigger warning because you're probably very annoyed with me right now. Like two of the three stories had fuzzy endings. We don't really know what the whole point probably all three of them really like we don't really know what happened to any of them and that's that's why kids are creepy you guys all right let's see what we learned today what did we learn 
number one, apparently an iron deficiency can turn your entire skin green. Who knew? Uh, I did know uh, from my time as a child that too much iron can turn your poop blue. That's a fun. That's a fun story. Um, it's not a story. Uh, I used to just eat Flintstones vitamins uh, as a snack because I thought they were really tasty. I didn't think I, you know, overloading my body with vitamins and minerals would be a bad thing. But then sometimes my poop would be really blue and it's because there's too much iron there. I think that's what it was. I think I looked it up one time and I think that's what that meant. Anyway, that's some that's some detail about me. You didn't need to know, but I gave it to you anyway. All right. Uh, Number two, Casper Hauser just showed up in the middle of of a city claiming that someone had just kept him in a dark room his entire life. Maybe it was Joseph Fritzl. Probably not, but I just, I like that. I like that those just are just similar stories and that maybe, uh, not Joseph Fritzl came back and attacked him and then later came back again and killed him. I just, I like that narrative. That would be a fun, dark comedy movie, right? Like that would be a great dark comedy movie. Get like someone, get someone like Jack Black. All right. To play Joseph Fritzl. Sure. Make it fun. And now, Jack Black Joseph Fritzl can also time travel, and he time travels back to Germany where he just has a kid, apparently. Maybe you can just buy kids. I don't know. Um, and then just decides to experiment, keep this kid in a box. This feels very Rick and Morty for some reason. Like This feels like a bad Rick and Morty episode, like a really dark Rick and Morty episode. I don't watch Rick and Morty. This is just the vibe I get. But you can have Jack Black, Joseph Fritzl, uh, then be like, wow, this is a really cool idea. I'm going to go back. I really kind of like my daughter. I think she's hot. I'm going to do that to her. And then just in between all of the time he spends raping his daughter, Jack Black, Joseph Fritzl, time travels back to Nuremberg, Germany to keep screwing with Casper Hauser. I don't know. (laughs) I'm completely sober, you guys. This, that was a complete sober thought. That's not even a high thought. So there you go. All right. Uh, number three, we're still on this segment, by the way. Uh, number three, uh, yeah, the boy in the box. No one knows who he was. No DNA match has ever been found. And he just remains this giant mystery in Philadelphia. <laughs> Next week on Our Weird World, we are uh, wrapping up season two, year two of the show, and we're going out with a bang. Uh, If you thought this week's episode was inappropriate for a wide variety of reasons, uh, next week, it's going to get real weird, all right? We are looking at, oh God, we're looking at five stories of bestiality. Um, Look, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead right now. I'm going to tell you it's gross. Don't support it whatsoever, but it wouldn't be the spirit of the show if there wasn't an episode about it. All right. And we're going to, we're going to go through some stories of bestiality throughout history. I would totally get it. If this is like the least downloaded episode ever, totally understand if you sit that one out we'll come back. Hey, listen, I'll even give you a, I'll give you a sneak peek for the week after that. All right. It's March. 
It's Women's History Month. We're going to celebrate women. No lie. No fooling. All right. It's going to actually be some great stories about women in history. All right. Totally legit on that. But we're going to get through bestiality first. All right. And then we'll we'll start season three, year three on a high note. All right. And celebrate some women. All right. But we got to get through bestiality first. We got to we got to end year two with, with a bang. And that's how I chose to do it. All right. I'm sorry, but I'm not. All right. That's it. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. Just not about next week's episode. Unless you want to look like a real creep. And uh, keep it weird. 